Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Hey, I've got a question for you, Scott. Okay. If you could go back in time to a younger you, would you do it? Uh, I, I'm not sure that I'd want to do that. <laughs> I'm not sure what I would. Well, I know what I would want to tell myself. But I'm not sure my younger self would listen to me. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I'm curious if you would go back to a younger you. Last week, we were moving our youngest daughter into college, into her dorm. And another parent said to me, oh, to be young again. And I was like... No, thank you. Like, I would not give up the hard lessons that I've learned to get back what time and gravity has stolen from me. (laughs) I'm, you know, older on the outside, but inside, my goodness, I'm much closer to who God created me to be than I was 10, 20, 30 years ago. Right. So, you know, there's a scripture that says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly... We're being renewed day by day. And I have been taught whenever you find a therefore in scripture, you got to go backwards and find out what the therefore is there for. Yes. Yeah. So I did. And it says, you know, what, what Paul is saying before that is um, we do not lose heart. You know, before that verse, he says, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So the therefore, in other words, is there because we have a sure and certain future with God. We're not going to quit even when it's hard. So when life is more than we think that our hearts can take, we just keep going because because of what we believe, because of exactly. what we're waiting for and what our future holds for us. Now, if you keep going, so this is this is kind of... Whenever you get a scripture, you want to consider context. You want to know what comes before it and what comes after it. Right. Get the whole picture. Right. So the verse itself is, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. What follows that, verse 17, is for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So the the point here is we keep going, even during hard things, even during, you know, broken relationships and and uncertain health issues and diagnoses, even during financial pressure, even during crazy COVID pandemic stuff that's all around us. Those are all the momentary things. Right. There, there are opportunities for God to teach us something. And the question is, are we going to be still and listen and look to see what God is trying to tell us? Yeah. So we can keep, we can keep going on. We can keep pressing in. We cannot give up as Christ followers when everything around us is difficult and the circumstances, you know, say quit or stop, or there's another way. I We're coming up on Suicide Awareness Month. That's going to be, mm. that starts in September. And we're going to have some conversations about that because we're seeing suicide numbers just elevate during this time. Yeah, but so much stress and people not knowing how to cope with everything that's going on. The isolation has not been easy for a lot of people. And so there, there's that part of it. And then, the uncertain, you know, what, what is the end game of COVID? We don't know that right. yet. 
And here's the thing. The answer is not to minimize the pain and the hardship because hard things are stinking hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not to, it's not a pat on the back and you'll be okay. It's, you know, it's not that bad. Like just hang in there. That's not what I'm saying. And that's not, you know, what this verse is saying either. What's being said here is everything on the outside might be really, really, really hard. Your circumstances They are hard and that's, you know, we're not trying to minimize what you're going through in any way, shape or form, but at the same time that we're going through difficult, hard things inwardly, we're being made stronger. Mm -hmm. The spirit of God in you is increasing your faith and growing you and you're being made better on the inside than you have ever been. This is why I won't go back. Right. I won't go back to when things were, you know, tight and lifted and, and energy was, you know, abounding because I would have to give up everything that God's been doing on the inside of me all along. And it is just so not worth it. Mm-hmm. So if your body is failing you right now, if your circumstances are failing you, if you're like, I don't know that I can even make it through today, much less go to bed and wake up tomorrow and face the hard things that I'm facing all over again. And maybe right now you are even considering taking your own life because you just feel like you can't do it anymore. You have got to grab onto the reality of while everything around you is hard, God is up to something on the inside of you and he is making you better. Things are getting better from the inside out. Everything that's temporary is wearing out your body, our resources, our influence, but our souls are getting stronger with every single sunrise. So hang in there, my friend. Don't give up, no matter what. I don't know what's on your heart this morning as you woke up, but I know that there's plenty going on right now that can kind (laughs) of uh, grab our attention. And sometimes we'll wake up in the morning and just before you even look at the news, before you even, you know, open up your phone there are thoughts on our mind about what's going on in the world around us, and it can feel a little overwhelming. It can. I know it feels more challenging these days because there's still the ongoing concerns about uh, COVID-19 and, of course, things that are happening in Afghanistan and just uh, some of the things that are having climatologically, you know, the fires in California, right. hurricanes coming in, and the, then the extreme flooding in Tennessee. Right. Yeah, that, that won't overwhelm you at all. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot going on right now. It does. It feels like a lot, doesn't it, Scott? It does. It really does. And I know that for some of these things, uh, there are some circumstances where I know believers in this country kind of feel like they're feeling a little bit under the gun these days for some of the stands they're taking on certain things. So I would say that some of these stands, I don't even want to go there because I know some of them are a little controversial. The triggers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are these, what are the hills you want to die on? So anyway, and there are some good ones to die on some, maybe not so much, but maybe some of the things that we're lacking these days is perspective. We haven't lived, either haven't lived long enough or we're not looking at the uh, full picture Mm. like God is able to do. Well, Jesus certainly recognized the importance of perspective. In fact, he reminded his followers who I would dare say lived in far more challenging times than we do. He said, and he's getting ready to leave them alone. At least they thought they said, you're leaving this alone. He said, now you will have trouble. Mm -hmm. In this word, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. 
<laughs> now, that was the parting encouragement. Now, they knew coming from him, those were more than just words, and they weren't quite sure how that was going to look like. He'd said, I'm going to send you the comfort of the Holy Spirit to be in your life, but that hadn't happened yet. Right. So that makes sense to you and me because of perspective, right? Again, Where exactly. we're standing as we're looking at it, we're, you know, hindsight is 2020. We can right. see what he meant when he said that, but they certainly didn't have that. Yeah, it was it was an encouragement not to be chasing outward peace, mm. but that he was going to bring ease or rather a peace to our own lives that would help us to be able to handle all the controversy and trouble that might come our way as we were being obedient to f- doing the work about going out and spreading the news of the kingdom. So, you know, it's easy for us in our Western culture where lots of us have grown up, you know, Christians. Yeah, we're all Christians, right? Yeah. And we certainly have shared a lot of the same values. At least uh, there seems to be a shifting away from that now. But I would say up until uh, just a few years ago, a lot of people would have agreed on a lot of the same values. Mm-hmm. So that's changing. And I think that's a little uneasy for us. And I think, too, you know, right now that the enemy is being so strategic about bringing things to the surface that are going to separate and divide us mm. rather than unite us. Exactly. And that's one of the, that's part of the the trouble that we're going to experience, right. you know, that Jesus promised we would, but this, like you said, this peace that he offers and extends to us, isn't an external circumstantial peace. It's way deeper and way bigger than that. Absolutely. And I think we also need to remember that as much trouble as we may think we're facing here in America, there's still other parts of the world where it is far more challenging to be a follower of mm. Christ. I mean, we could point out countries easily like, like Vietnam or right now Afghanistan, where believers there are fearing for their lives because of the Taliban takeover of the country. Or China. Again, we've known for years that China has tried to strongly discourage Christianity, trying to rewrite it in its own image. Mm. Well, you know, in his book, When Faith is Forbidden, or Where Faith is Forbidden, uh, Tom Nettleton shared the story of Sister Tong. Now, maybe you've heard this. She, she spent six months in prison for hosting a house church in China, and that's not allowed. Just mm-hmm. can't do that. So he decided, uh, Todd decided to ask through a translator what life was like during her time in prison. You see, you know, coming from my Western background, I'm thinking, what are the conditions? What were the conditions like? Maybe right. she'd talk about how hard the bed was or you know, just how stark everything was, or maybe the rats and just how miserable it was there. And she actually got this very, what I called a heavenly smile on her face. Mm. She said, wow, that was a wonderful time. (laughs) So we asked the translator, like, did she she understand what I asked her? Yeah. He said, yes, she understood what you asked and I gave you the correct response. Mm. She said it was during this time that Christ had been so close to her and administered to her in a very special way. And she said there was also other ladies in the cell that didn't know Christ when she first came in, but did by the mm. time she left. So, A couple of things stand out to me about this. One is if you are in prison right now, literally right. in jail, because the airwaves can get us there that this can be such a time that you look back on and say, wow, that was a wonderful time. If you lean into acknowledging the Lord's presence and spending time with him during this time, right? Literally that can be, but for those of us who are not imprisoned and and held captive at this moment, Mm -hmm. 
there are different things that we're all going through, you know, where Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. We, we've got troubles of our own, whether that's a broken relationship or financial hardships. Like we're all facing some kind of trouble. We too can actually testify that that was a beautiful time. I, I have a, a friend who went through a divorce and that was unwanted but has no regrets about the intimacy with the Lord during that struggle of that time. Even though things didn't go the way they, you know, wanted them to in the end because of the presence of God through it. Yeah. And you know, we, again, during challenging times in our lives, we have to remember that God has promised to be there with us. And even though some of those things do like losses, yeah, from a physical point of view, maybe even a health point of view, that could be true, but there are also opportunities for advancement for the kingdom or just building our own relationship with yeah, God. Deeper and intimacy. Deeper intimacy. And I know that's something we don't want to hear, we, but sometimes, actually many times, that's the only way we're actually going to go deeper with God and get to know him in a deeper, more personal way. So again, just dive into what the, what you God has opened up for you today. Don't be afraid of it, remembering that he's going to give you the tools you need to face today. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4 says this, and maybe this will help to reset you. You know, we set our mind on Christ. We get reset. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord. The Lord himself is the rock eternal. And the word steadfast is certain. I looked it up. Okay. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary. And this is the definition. Resolutely or dutifully firm. Mm. Unwavering. So how do we keep our minds, you know, resolved, resolutely and dutifully firm, unwavering when it comes to walking out life and staying focused on Jesus? I think, you know, our thoughts are a well-worn path. The thoughts that you think more frequently, you're going to go there more easily. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. If you picture, you know, coming up on this brushy area, like just picture yourself on a hike and you come up to this brushy area and, and there's a path. You know, you have to choose, am, am I going to walk right through this brushy area, get myself scratched up? You know, maybe I need some kind of tool to kind of help me to get through it because it's so thick. Or am I going to go where it's open and the ground has already been walked on and there's a path? Well, I can say most often you're going to take that well-worn path. I probably am. I mean, it's just the easier way to go. And the more you walk down that path, the more well-worn it gets and the more easy it gets to choose that path over and over and over again. This happens in our thinking. Mm -hmm. So we have ways that we think that become like well-worn paths and healthy or not, we'll choose them just simply because it's easier. Mm -hmm. Some well-worn path thoughts for me is worry. <laughs> Okay. I'm I'm a natural warrior. Warrior, not warrior. Yeah. <laughs> warrior. You want to be a warrior, not a warrior. I want to be a warrior, but I am a warrior and a kissing cousin to worrying is worst case scenario thinking. Mm. I can do this too. Now, I'm putting myself out there a little bit because I just don't know if this is a weird Shauna thing or if this is something that other people do. So, Help me out. Don't leave me hanging. Okay. If this is you as well. But I can, okay, here's an example of worst case scenario thinking. So my family and I, we were on a um, kind of exploring in Joshua Tree in mm. Southern California. And we were in the suburban. We decided it's a four wheel drive, three quarter tons. So we're like, 
you know, we can handle whatever the terrain is. Let's go check this out. Only we have zero experience with four wheeling. You know, our, <laughs> the vehicle, the Suburban, we bought it not for excursions like this, just as a people mover because we got a lot of kids and it fit everybody with lots of room, you know. So that was the intent. Okay. We don't know what we're doing when it comes to four wheel driving. Yes, it's, it's supposed to be able to do that. Well, but yeah. Will it? yeah. But yeah, the vehicle, yes. Me and my husband driving the vehicle, no. Um, so anyway, we're navigating through like these canyons and, you know, we got to go like real slow and kind of inch our way through because it's very unlevel underneath mm-hmm. us and rocks and whatnot and all this kind of stuff. And my in-laws were with us at the time. And I just remember as we're driving through the canyon, the day's kind of like coming to an end. And I'm thinking, huh, it's going to get dark. We're going to get stuck and we're not going to be able to get out our way out of here, much less even know which way is out, right? In the complete darkness, we're going to find ourselves in a situation where, you know, the the car is being held up by rocks underneath us. You know, we're going to get ourselves in a situation. And I've got like four slices of bread and like a handful of water bottles in the back. That's going to go to the kids and the old people. I'm going to die. Surely I'm going to die in Joshua Tree. This is how it ends for me. Another time I was walking in my woods. We live on 11 acres and we had just bought the property and I was like, oh, I want to go explore. I was all by myself and I hadn't told anybody where I was going. Mm. And I started to head into the woods and I got like 50 feet in and I was like, I could totally die here. And they would, you know, nobody would ever find the body. Nobody knows where I went, what I did, you know. Just that worst case scenario thinking is a natural worn path in my mind. So we need to keep our mind firm in the truth that we belong to God, that we couldn't be more safe (laughs) or secure in him. We need to stop entertaining thoughts of worry and worst case scenario thinking. And the more that we trust God instead of worrying, that becomes the well-worn path. Right. Are you hearing me? You have to do the hard work of walking through that thick brush and creating a way But as you do, your mind will actually transition from going to that old well-worn path in your thoughts of worry and worst case scenario thinking to to moving in the direction of trusting God more and more. I was in a women's Bible study and we were challenged to say every single day, God, I trust you. And I'm just being totally honest with you. It started as this obligatory, half-hearted, I trust you, God, I trust. I, tr- I, I trust you, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, okay. I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying the words are getting out of my mouth, but I'm not sure it's quite gotten onto my heart yet. Yeah. I had to kind of convince myself. And I mean, we're talking about a week long of saying this every single day. And by the time I got to the end of the week, I was like, I trust you, God, I trust you. Like the confidence had to grow, but I had to make that path. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we can do this. And the result of choosing to create this new path of trusting God, even in the midst of hard things, is his peace, peace that passes understanding, peace in the midst of really, really unreasonable circumstances where everything logically says, here's a good time to worry. You ought to be worrying right now. Mm. And in the midst of that moment, your heart feels at peace. That's what we get because he keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Because they who trust in you get to experience peace. So here's my encouragement to you this morning. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord. The Lord himself is the rock eternal. I want to talk a minute about Romans 8, 32. Let me share with you the verse and then then I'll share why I want to dive into this one. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Mm. This scripture also reminds me, you know, of the scriptures that tell us to pray expectantly and that God can do more than we ever could think or imagine. I think sometimes we come up short when it comes to asking God for what we need. Have you ever felt like you were in prayer and like, well, you know, there's what's going on in Afghanistan. There's, you know, the earthquakes in Haiti, the fires in California. Like, I don't want to bother God with this thing, and this you got small matter going on in, in my your life. life. Or maybe there's a, what seems might be a minor family issue, might be more than we think it is, but we feel, why should I bother God with that? I need to figure this out on my own. You know what I feel like is upstream of that prayer request? Mm. Not understanding how much God loves us. Like there's not a thing that my kids could come to me and ask me for and stand in need of that I'd be like, seriously, you're bothering me with that? You know, I, mm-hmm. and that's, yeah. the, God is our father. He loves us. He has adopted us into his family. He adores us. We're his kids. We can come to him honestly with what's on our hearts, with expectant hearts that that he's good in his response to us. He's not a God who withholds and, you know, he's not an angry old man who's miserly in his ways with us. He lavishes, lavishes, scripture says, love on us. And again, I think, you know, particularly with sometimes we get, because of our materialistic world, we sometimes think that's going to be things that we feel we have to have. But if we spend enough time with him, we find that it's not really so much the material things, but there's other things that he wishes to speak into our own lives and maybe doors that need to be opened inside that we've kept shut for so many years. But he says, I need you to look here to see this is something you've kind of stuffed down Mm. and it's holding you back. You need to address it. Yeah, he's a good dad. He's a really good dad. Have you heard the song, um, Good Grace, Good God? Yes. Oh man, it's a powerful song and the lyrics just are a reminder. It reminds me of, you know, the song, Good, Good Father, but just, we -hmm. need to be reminded of the goodness of God, whether we're singing about it, whether we're reading it in scripture, we need to get that in our heads. I don't know where the idea comes from that he's not good or that he's, you know, that he's holding out on us, even in his discipline, Scott, like you were talking Mm -hmm. about the places that he wants us to look are not because he's got this, you know, he's just waiting to smite us with his thumb and snuff us out. He so deeply loves us. I think that, you know, there, unfortunately, Phariseeism is, tends to try to keep, creep its way into the body of Christ. And I think if you look over the years, there can be situations, search situations people have found themselves in where they get the idea because people have been, Uh, not nice to them and they've been very stingy with them. They kind of feel, well, they're supposed to be representing God. This must 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 be what he's like. Exactly. Or maybe their parents have been like that. So Mm -hmm. they're, and that's another awesome thing for us to think about as parents is that we're God's representatives to our kids in that way. I have a friend who says the only thing that matches God's graces, his uh, greatness, his awesomeness, what he's capable of doing, the God who created all of the galaxies, set every star in place. The only thing that matches his greatness Mm. is his goodness. Mm. He is as good as he is great. I love how Eugene Peterson put it in the message. He, he, you know, phrases this Romans eight thirty two scripture this way. 
If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? That's how he feels about you. God's absolutely crazy about you. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.